Welcome to another live concert recording from the Society of Sound Radio Network. I'm Keith Horner, today with Toronto's Eibler Quartet. The Eibler are presenting a quartet party from Vienna in the 1780s. It's a fascinating program, the sort of music that Mozart and Haydn would have played when they themselves got together to play string quartets. Both Mozart and Haydn were string players. Mozart, in fact, began his adult career as a violinist, as a concertmaster to the Salzburg court. Later on in this show, we'll be hearing about a quartet party made up of both Mozart and Haydn and two other well-known composers of the day. It took place in Vienna around 1784. We'll hear what happened through the eyes of the 18th-century Irish tenor Michael Kelly, who was there. But we're beginning with the performance of the first of a set of quartets that Mozart dedicated to his friend, Joseph Haydn. Here's a complete performance of Mozart's G major quartet, K387. The Eibler Quartet's violinists are Aislinn Noski and Julia Wetman, Patrick Jordan plays viola, and Margaret Gay cello. This is a string quartet in G. K387 by Mozart. Thank you. 
That's Mozart's G major quartet, K387, with the Eibler Quartet. They're Aislinn Noski and Julia Wedman violins, Patrick Jordan viola and Margaret Gay cello. Viola player Patrick Jordan joins me next as this concert on the Society of Sound radio network continues. I'm Keith Horner. Patrick, tell me about the namesake of the Eibler Quartet, Josef Leopold Edla von Eibler. Who was the owner of this sumptuous name and why did you name your quartet after him? He studied uh, sort of by correspondence with Haydn, um, learning some tricks of composition. He was very successful in Vienna and in fact became the Hofkapellmeister to the emperor. Um, so in the terms of the day, he was dramatically more successful than uh, Mozart ever was. We chose that name because our object in this whole project, in this whole quartet experience, has been to explore not just the peaks of uh, classical repertoire and beyond, actually. Uh, there's color on a canvas, and there's the canvas itself. There's sort of a fabric of uh, musical life at various times that we tend not always historically to fill out. So it's like the highways and the byways of the musical landscape. That's right. It's the people that were merely extremely good instead of great. Well, it rather surprised me, but uh, the Eibler Quartet is now almost a decade old already. How did your members sort of first get to know one another? We sort of accumulated one another over time. Um, I met Margaret in the mid-1990s when I first came to Toronto to play with Tafel Music. Subsequently, uh, Julia and Aislinn have become a part of that orchestra, and that's how we got to know each other. Played some together and discovered an affinity and a similarity in approach that has been extremely satisfying. The rest of this program springs from the memoirs of an 18th century Irish tenor called Michael Kelly. Tell me first how an Irishman came to hear Mozart and Haydn playing string quartets in Vienna. His education um, at the uh, ripe old age of 14 or 15 or 16 took him to Italy 
and he studied in Naples and spent some time in Palermo as well. And then at the end of that training, started to work in opera houses. In Where did he work? In Livorno, also in Venice a bit. Um, and ultimately, it took him to Vienna, where there was a lot of money and a lot of opportunity, and a lot of Italians too. And he left um, quite a substantial volume of um, memoirs. How did he go about making a program from these memoirs? There's a gem of a moment in his memoirs in which he recounts a uh, quartet party that was thrown by Stephen Storis, who was a, an impresario in, in Vienna at the time. He says, you know, the, the, the players, you know, were not great, but uh, there was some science amongst them. When I tell you who they were, Haydn, Dittersdorf, Von Hall, and Mozart. Um, and I suspect Mozart was the last on that list because he was the one who was still wet behind the ears and green and the young punk. <laughs> anyway, the closest date that we've been able to um, guess is that that party happened on June 13th, 1784. And so the sequence of music that you uh, put together builds on these four important composer performers. These four were friends. So I decided to put the program together using the music of the people that I knew would be friendly. So that includes the four that were obviously playing together, and a tiny bit of Kozluch as well, because he was sort of in that friendlier family. So we tried to sort of make some sense of what uh, Kelly had to say about other moments of the intersection of his life and, and the other four. And as narrator, you have one of Canada's most distinguished actors in R.H. Thompson. And I'm really looking forward to this sequence of words and music from, from you all. So thank you, Patrick. Oh, thank you, Keith. Let's listen now to the Iber Quartet's Evening with Michael Kelly with narrator R.H. Thompson. Thank you. 
That fabulous quartet party, June 1784, at the house of my dear, dear friend, Stephen Storis. These memoirs of my active life have been thrown together somewhat in the, in the manner of a it's journal. You know, incidents are recorded as they occurred, and scenes are retraced which have long since passed, and characters are recalled to literary life which have long since quitted this subluminary stage. And my memoirs aim at nothing but setting down facts as I remember them. And I surely suffer the scoundrels who criticize me thus. Any statement of Michael Kelly's is immediately suspect. And it is to thus deprecate the severity of such criticism by a candid avowal of my object that I proceed without preface or apology to a portion of my narrative. June 1784. Oh, I was a strap of a lad, 22. The production of Casti's drama Teodoro, to which Stephen Storis's company was committed and to which company I was a part, was delayed a little as we waited for the arrival of who we believed to be an indispensable cast member from Venice to play the role of an old man, Gaffarillo. So while we were waiting, and in the interim, Storis gave a quartet party to his friends. And the players, they were, uh, they were tolerable. <laughs> but not one of them excelled on the instrument that he played. But there was a, a little science among them, which I dare say will be acknowledged uh, when I name them. The first violin. Joseph Haydn. The second violin. <clears throat> Baron Karl Ditters von Gittersdorf. The violoncello. Johann Baptist von Hall. And the tenor. Wolfgang Amade Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> the poet Casti and the composer Paesiello they formed part of the audience, and I was there. And a greater treat, or a more remarkable one, cannot be imagined.
Joseph Haydn's quartet, Opus 33, number 2, is known as the joke, and the Eibler Quartet says Lenoski tells a good one. It's a sort of music played when Haydn and Mozart held one of their quartet parties for their own entertainment. Our fly on the wall of one of his evenings comes through the memoirs of the 18th century Irish tenor Michael Kelly. Toronto actor R.H. Thompson brings us Kelly's memoirs in this live concert recording as this Society of Sound radio network programme continues. Trifling occurrences during our youth often influence our entire lives, and it was precisely one such happy occurrence that found me at Storis's quartet party that night, June 1784. After my studies in Naples with the great Giuseppe Aprile, I arrived in Leghorn, Italy in 1783. I was a stripling young singer, you know, 21, and I had on a Sicilian capote with my hair, of which no, I had a great quantity, and which, like my complexion, was very fair. The hair was floating over it, and I was thin, like a whacking stick. And as I stepped from the boat, I perceived a young lady and a gentleman standing on the mole making observations. And as the former looked at me, she laughed. And as I approached, I heard her saying to her companion in English, which of course she thought that I did not understand, look at that girl dressed in boys' clothes. And to her astonishment, I answered in the same language, you are mistaken, miss. I am a very proper he animal, and I'm quite at your service. <laughs> we all laughed till we were tired, and we became immediately intimate. And these persons, my acquaintance with whom commenced by this childish jest at the Moli and the Leghorn, continued through life the warmest and most attractive of all my friends. All love 
and honor to your memories, Stephen and Nancy Storis. Stephen and Nancy Storis. Now, he was well known afterwards. He was one of the best of English composers. And she was, I mean, at that time, she was, she was only 15 years old. She was the prima donna of the Leghorn comic opera. <laughs>
Dittersdorf. He was one of the quartet players that night. He had a fine sense of humor and he regaled us of a time in his early employ in the court of Prince Josef Friedrich von Hildburghausen. And this is precisely the manner in which von Dittersdorf recounted the tale to me. Now, it was on the occasion of an imperial visit. Several entertainments were organized by the prince, among them a fete honoring Bacchus, which was to have a comic interlude in the form of a, a ballet, and then featuring country lads and lasses, you know, figuring as carpet knights and dancers and satyrs. And on the day that we were rehearsing, the prince said, they must be thinking about an orchestra. It ought to be every bit as funny as the ballet. May I ask every member of the band to favor me with his opinion? So even Gluck and Bono were consulted, and, and one proposed this idea and another that idea. And when it came to my turn, so I had to give my vote. And I said, uh, last year at a village party, I'd heard two bagpipers. The large bagpipe is usually called the Polynesian bok. Bok means he goat. Right? The large bagpipe was an octave lower, and one melody was played on both instruments. So how would it be if we were to scour all the neighboring villages for bagpipes, great and small, press them in service? And we'd be sure to find four out of the lot that were tuned together, and these would be enough to fill the whole courtyard. Yours is the best plan of all, said the prince. Please, you see to the matter for us. So I ordered the steward to set off an express then and there to every village to get together every bagpipe and Polynesian bock that we found on the estate. And we got together over a dozen bagpipe virtuosi. <laughs> and we were so successful, we found two small and two large ones that were perfectly in tune together. Then uh, I got my violin and I dinned the melody, you know, again and again and again and again into the ears of the four pipers until they had it by heart. And days later, when the prince, he attended the final rehearsal, I had arranged the pipers behind one of the wings of the castle, and I told them to keep quiet until I called them, and then I returned to the rehearsal. Don't forget my orders about the bagpipes, the prince addressed me. Oh no, that's all done, your highness. Well, where are they? Well, I'll bring them at once. And I ran off hastily round the corner. I said, now come along, I said, and I shouted like mad. Blue like blazes behind me. And they puffed and they blew with such savage imagery that the prince heard the melody ever so far off. And as we came around the corner, I let myself go triumphantly. And I jumped about 
right in front of the procession like a billy goat. And seeing my antics, the idiot pipers thought they must do the same, and each one of them hopped along behind me like mad. And this amused me so much that I redoubled my tricks, and their zeal knew no bounds. In short, five mad jumping musical goats made the prince laugh till he cried, and the ballet dancers all oh, they shouted in chorus, and everyone bleated all round. music by the Austrian composer Karl Dittes von Dittesdorf. He was one of the musicians participating in the 1784 Quartet Party, derived from the memoirs of singer Michael Kelly. I hope you enjoyed it.
R.H. Thompson was the narrator. The Eibler Quartet includes Aislinn Noski and Julia Wetman violins, Patrick Jordan viola and Margaret Gay cello. There's more about the Eibler at eiblerquartet.com and Eibler spelt E-Y-B-L-E-R. You can find a playlist of today's music and links to the Eibler and more at societyofsound.ca. This is the Society of Sound Radio Network. I'm Keith Horner. Till next time. Thank you.